Well, hello and welcome to the King's Arms. And uh, we really want to welcome you, whether you're watching online, whether it is the case that you're on our church online or Facebook Live or even watching on demand. It really is a pleasure to have you here. And uh, if we've not had the opportunity of introducing ourselves before, my name is Steve Wilson and I'm today I'm hosting with the one and the only Lauren Wilthew. Lauren, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks Steve. How are you? Amazing. Yeah, really good. Now, really pleased to have you with us. And uh, at the start of all of these meetings, we always want to do a little bit of something to, uh, to get to know one another and, and help people make a connection. And Lauren had this crazy idea that uh, she wanted to teach me something called the woe. Is that right? Yes, that is right. So the woe is the new kind of hip, cool dance move. For anyone who's been on TikTok, you'll have seen it all over. And it's just like a little celebration dance, really. A bit like the old dab. The dab. I don't know whether you remember the dab. The dab is very last year, by the sounds of it. Or is it very even before last year? Last year? Probably before last Maybe year. Maybe before last year. <laughs> Showing the sign of the times. All right, but we're going to teach us a new dance move, aren't you? Okay, so I'll do it for you quickly, and right. then I'll walk you step by step. All right. So the dab's You've got to practice back at home, by the way. <laughs> okay, you ready? Just go like, like, whoa. So hold on, so you we know? start over there. Start like this, and your hands are just going to come in the middle and stop. In the middle and stop. Yeah. Right, you ready to give it a go? You ready to go? Ready, steady. Over there. Whoa. What did you think? I actually didn't watch you. Should we go again? Sure. <laughs> All right, here we go, here we go. Over there. Ready? Whoa! Oh dear, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listen, I hope you did better at home. Listen, before we dive into things, we've got a couple of things that we wanted to share with you today. The first of which is that we are partway through a month where we're looking to pray for every single street in Bedford. We're looking for a tsunami of love to extend right the way across our town and beyond. And so we're praying street by street. And uh, just for a moment, what we thought we'd do is give a little drum roll because we're going to flash an image on the screen to show you the map and just how we are doing so far. Are we ready for that drum roll? Ready. And... Isn't that amazing? And thank you so much for playing your part. And uh, just to say, we'd love to have you continue to pray street by street. So do let us know how you're getting on, whether it's praying for the street that you live on or another part of the town. And just uh, go to kingsarms.org slash street by street. And just one beautiful testimony that was sent in by a lady who has been doing prayer walking for some time now, who actually goes to a different church in town. But she sent us this. She said, I've been praying for my street. And one day I saw the lady from my street at the King's Arms. The testimony that she shared made me cry. She shared her story in one of your Christmas carol services and how she came to know Jesus and got baptised at the King's Arms. And then God reminded me I was prompted to pray standing at her door outside the lady's house some time ago, putting my hand out and praying in tongues. Oh, how that made me cry and how joyful it was to know that she was saved and got to know Jesus. I just think it's a beautiful testimony of what God can do. And we're trusting that he's going to do it again and again, even through our prayers this summer. Wow, I love that. I cannot wait to see what else comes from us partnering with God and praying for our town together. It's amazing. Um, So another thing we'd love to talk to you about is something called TSM. TSM is a school that runs in the year. I actually did it myself a few years ago, back when I was 18, and it's just a really safe and fun place to take steps of courage and learn about the supernatural in God. So we're going to hear from Marco, who's going to be explaining a bit about it for us. Hi there, I'm Caroline Cameron and I'm part of the TSM leadership team. And a few years ago, sitting exactly where you are right now, thinking about whether I should do TSM or not. And I wanted to do it because I wanted to grow my prophetic ability. I wanted a safe space where I could make mistakes and still feel affirmed and accepted. 
and that happened. It was amazing. But actually, a whole lot of other stuff happened as well. I became more secure in who I was in Christ and how much our loving Heavenly Father loved me. I discovered lies that I believed about myself and about God that had to be dealt with. And, you know, I did grow in knowing a little bit more about how to prophesy and so on. But then God gave me, as well as an added bonus, the ability to start hearing from him about specific words of knowledge was amazing. So I want to say to you, if you're at that stage where you just want to grow a bit, you want to expand your spiritual capacity, you want to get out of your comfort zone and feel a little bit of disease because you're, you're being stretched, then you are ready for TSM. And I'd encourage you to jump in with boots and all, get yourself signed up and actually start living like Jesus did. All right, and just a final reminder, guys, that if you've been taking part in our August challenge, we would love to see your photographs. So this particular month, we've been after your photos wearing face masks, all right? So nice, smiling, beaming eyes at us, please. So if you want to send in your pictures of you and your household, get them over to us. You can email them uh, by emailing media at kingsarms.org. Great. Well, we're going to spend some time now as a church family just worshipping God and spending some time with him. So why don't, wherever you are, just take a moment just to close your eyes and connect your heart to Jesus as we go into worshipping him together. Yeah, Father, we just welcome you here. We say that you're so worthy. We come to praise your name, to lift up your holy name, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Praise the Lord, oh my soul, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. Praise the Lord Praise the Lord Oh my soul Praise the Lord Praise the Lord Oh my soul Praise the Lord up your name oh praise the the Lord. 
We praise the Lord now For you are worthy of it all Sing it out Praise the I sing praises, I give you honor, worthy Jesus And I see glory falling in this place I see hope restored and healing of all disease And I sing praises, I sing praises I give you honor, worthy Jesus give you praise and all of the honor you are our god the one we live for we give you praise all of the glory god and we give you praise and all of the honor you are our god the one we live for we give you praise all of the glory god I see heaven I see heaven Invading this place here and now And I see angels They're praising your holy name So I sing praises I sing praises I give you honor You're worthy Jesus And I see glory is falling in this place now yeah. I see hope restored and healing of all disease And I sing praises, I sing praises I give you honor, worthy Jesus And we give you praise and all of the honor You are our God, the one we live for We give you praise, all of the glory God. So we give you praise and all of the honor You are our God, the one we live for We give you praise, all of the glory God And all of the glory Yes, all of the glory Oh, it's yours, it's yours We give you all of this Let your angels be released Let heaven come We 
at your feet So let heaven come Face to face we wanna meet now So let heaven come Let your presence fill this place And let heaven come Let your angels be released And let heaven come We will worship at your feet now So let heaven come Face to face we wanna meet Let heaven come So we give you praise and all of the honor You are our God, the one we live for We give you praise, all of the glory God so we give you praise and all of the honor You are our God, the one we live for We give you praise, all of the glory, God We give you all of the glory And all of the glory the glory God we give you praise and all of this honor you are our God the one we live for we give you praise yeah, yeah. so lift up a song of praise lift up a sound of adoration oh you're worthy Lord you're worthy Lord all of this glory we crown you we crown you in all of this glory oh being thrown in the highest praises yeah. in the highest praises oh in the highest praises We give the highest praises to our King, to our Savior, the highest praises. Mm -hmm. No one else comes close. Mm, yeah. The highest praises.
what joy is found in communion with you, beholding your beauty and knowing your truth and living a life that pleases your heart. Responding with praises to all that you are, and oh, how love is the key in all His glory is the Christ who is holy, who was, and who is, and how. Love so unfailing is his grace that draws us near. And what joy is found at the foot of your throne, bowing in reverence, giving thanks to the one. We join in the angels and the heavenly throne Along with the saints in unending song And oh, how lovely is the King all His glory is the Christ
I put all other things aside And I fix my eyes Only on Jesus Christ King above all kings Oh, Lord above all lords The highest name The greatest name God, we, we just come before you and say we love you, Father. Yes, you are so good, God. Thank you that you're a God who is kind and generous and so present. And, and yeah, we just take a moment to recognise the goodness of our Father in heaven. Yes. That you are so um, good and you are for us. And, and yeah, we just love you so much, Father. So I just pray that as we continue this time together that you just come and meet us all, Father that you'd come and help us to tune in to what you're saying today. Yes. Yeah, that we would just hear your voice clearly, Father. Yes. Amen. Amen. And you know, I just have this real strong, strong sense there are people right now who might feel incredibly alone. And I just want to tell you, you're not alone. God loves you and is for you. 
And I pray particularly for you right now, Holy Spirit, would you be really close to those people who do feel isolated and vulnerable? I pray even right now, God, would there be a sense of your presence just increasing right the way across every individual's room who is connecting to us right now. I bless you in Jesus' name. Well, guys, I want to say uh, thanks so much for joining us here at the King's Arms. It's great to have you tuning in. And uh, if you joined partway through our kind of service today, uh, my name's Steve Wilson, and this is my friend Lauren Wilfie. We're so pleased to uh, have you with us. And just to say, it might be that you really do want to connect with someone um, in, in a different kind of way today. And so if you want to, immediately after the meeting, there'll be Zoom rooms available where you can have a coffee and a catch-up and get to know some people, find out a little bit more about the church. You'd be so welcome to join there. And the details of which will be appearing on your screen around about now. We thought it'd be great to take a moment together just to spend some time hearing God's voice. It says in the Bible that as, as God's children, we get to hear his voice. Just like sheep um, know the sound of the shepherd's voice, we get to know the sound of our father's voice. Right. Um, so we thought it'd be great to take a moment to do that together. I love that when the Holy Spirit speaks to us, it's always encouraging, it's always true, it sticks to the Bible and it lifts people up. So Steve's just going to walk us through some tools of how we hear Jesus. Well, the very quick version of Phil Wilthew's chapter on hearing God's voice is all about recording the prophetic. And so I was going to draw this picture live and then I thought <laughs> I might make a pig's ear of it. So this is my uh, pre-drawn version of the record symbol, beautifully recording. But this actually Brilliant. looks a bit like me, don't you think? You know, it does actually. I realise that, I just need a little bit of grey stubble kind of around here. And uh, anyway, listen, five ways that you can hear God's voice, okay? The first of all um, is that the things that we see, okay? So sometimes God will give us pictures that we see or even objects around us to be able to communicate his heart with us. There are sometimes we will hear his voice, either audibly or in that still, quiet way. There'll be other times, just like the nose, where we get a sense of what he wants to say to us. And there'll be occasions when we even use our mouths and it's the words that we speak which suddenly feel like we kind of hear of what God wants to do. And there'll be other occasions when God uses our uh, minds and our memories to remind us of something that he has done before or bring something back to our minds. So these are the five ways in which we believe that God can speak to us. And what we're going to do is we're going to take this pause moment to actually ask that, um, why don't you guys take the opportunity to pause and think of how God might want to speak to you for somebody else. And so in a moment, we're going to have a timer appear on the screen. And um, it's an opportunity for you just to close your eyes and to think about how is God speaking to you? And you can even ask God, what does he want to say? But more than that, who does he want to say it to? Which will actually give us the opportunity of being brave and looking out for what the opportunity or when is the right time to give that person the um, information, the prophetic word that he has given us. All right, really let's start that timer.
All right, that's time, guys. Lauren, how did you get on? I got on really well, thanks, Steve. Okay. Yeah. Do you want to tell us about it? I would love to. So one of the ways that God um, often speaks to me is through memories. And so as I was praying, I was just reminded of a moment where my own dad just kind of spoke over me and just said how proud he was of me. Wow. And it's one of the moments where it was just like, oh, my dad loves me. Like, he's really proud of me. And, um, and then God instantly put um, a picture of my auntie in my mind. Um, this is an amazing woman. She's actually not a Christian or a believer, but wow. I just felt like he wanted me to tell her how proud he was of her. And just that moment where my dad told me how proud he was of me to actually say that over her, actually how proud he was of her. That is absolutely beautiful. Well done. Well, listen, if it is the case that you felt like God spoke to you, then you've got to work out what do you think God wants you to do with it. And so um, maybe just like Lauren, there'll be an encouragement for a particular person. But if you feel like that word is sensitive or vulnerable, then feel free to just speak to someone who's a trusted Christian who can help you yeah. weigh it up um, before you kind of jump both feet into the pool, as it were, to uh, give that word. So um, I'm sure that God's going to bless many people by your encouraging words. So thanks for doing that. Now, last week's Paul moment, what we did was we talked about sharing your story and uh, Isabel shared a, a brilliant version of what had happened in her life and today we thought we'd take the opportunity of listening to Josh Shaw's testimony. So let's listen to Josh. I'm Josh and this is my story. No real drama or dramatic moments or bolts of lightning, a fairly simple journey. I grew up around mixed influences both good and bad, uh, but in general I was a good kid, I had a positive outlook on life. I always went to church, I grew up in church actually, uh, my grandmother used to take me, um, I would serve in music and other ministries and um, I, I was really committed actually to going to church every week, week in, week out, but it was very religious. Like a lot of you, I was doing the church thing. I was uh, going every week and I was involved and I was nice to people, but the truth is I didn't actually know Christ for myself. I knew him on face value, but I didn't have a relationship with him. I got to a point in my life where uh, I wanted to make a commitment to him though. Uh, again, no real tears or crazy words from the pulpit. I just made a decision that I was going to serve God and I was going to turn my back on the life that I was leading. The truth is, that's when the trouble started. I made a public declaration by being baptised, but at that point I started to have an internal battle. I didn't really know who I was. Um, I was looking for gratification from everyone else from the world and um, just had an overall struggle with uh, knowing where I was going and uh, what my measure was. It was really difficult. But I got to a point later in life where I stopped and I looked back on everything I'd been through. And the reality was God had had me the whole time. He had covered me. He had been there for me and he had kept me safe. No matter how many dangerous situations or bad choices I had found myself in, he had always had me. So I felt a small pull at that point to recommit to him in a new way, to actually look deeper and to grow my relationship with him. It was at that time that things started to change for the better. I realised that I was part of a much larger family, adopted in by Christ. Uh, I met my wife who nine years later I'm still married to, uh, two beautiful children. And I overall, I found purpose in my life in serving others and loving others. I found peace and joy. But to be honest, the greatest gift was His grace. I'm forgiven. No matter what choices I made, bad choices or decisions, uh, He loves me regardless. 
and he's forgiven me for those choices. And I'd say if any of this resonates with you, if you've done your religious thing, if you are stuck going through the motions and just attending church thinking that um, the acts that we do are good enough, uh, I would say that God wants a deeper relationship with you. He's calling and pulling for you to get to know him better in relationship. Reading his word and spending time getting deeper in the things of him because the truth is there is no love like the love of God. Wasn't that so good? And uh, I would just encourage you that not only right now should we be practicing our own testimonies to work out how we can share those short, sharp versions, but not just practicing them, but looking out for opportunities to share them because Mm. it gives glory to God. And I want to tell you that there is power in your testimony. Yeah, really good. Well, we are seeing God do some amazing things through the different areas of our church at the moment. And um, one of the ways that you can partner with that is by giving your money financially. We are so grateful for your generosity in this time as we partner with what God has said over our church and we give out. So you can do so by clicking the offering button that is on your screen somewhere or by going to kingsarms.org forward slash donate. And yeah, and just give in to what God is doing. We're so thankful for your giving at this time. Absolutely. So now we're going to introduce Ben, who's our speaker today. He's, he's an amazing gift to our church. And so I would suggest you position your heart ready to receive all that he wants to communicate to us. Well, hello, King Sams. I hope you're keeping well. It's so good to be recording and speaking from um, this studio today. It's so much better than the purple, pink colored room I, I spoke um, from the last time. Um, I hope you're keeping well and enjoying this new summer series on, on eating with Jesus, a, a series looking at Jesus around meal times and what we can learn um, from him. You know, I knew we were onto something special when I saw the teaching series and it had to do with food. And, you know, in my opinion, you can't go wrong <laughs> with that. And I, I must admit that I agree with my friend uh, Phil Wilfew that there, there are more than five love languages. You know, um, the guy, what's his name? Gary Chapman talks about the five ways we all tend to love others or receive love from acts of service to to physical touch, to quality time, to gifts, you know, he names five different ways we all tend to receive and to love others. And I agree with Phil that there's, there's, um, there's definitely a sixth one, which is food. I would even argue that there's a seventh one called football, but um, we'll leave that for the next, next teaching series. Today, we're going to be looking at um, Jesus around food and looking at um, Jesus from the, from the book of Luke chapter 14, where he's invited to the home of a top Pharisee for a Sabbath meal. You know, it's our equivalent today of being invited to someone very important, perhaps very rich, you know, perhaps a chief magistrate equivalent. I don't know, I don't know about you, but, um, you know, if you, if you have been invited to a very important meal, a posh meal, maybe to you know, the mayor of, um, of Bedford or the um, or number 10 Downing Street, you know, if you're invited to um, a meal by a very important person, you tend to give your best behavior, you turn up on time, you know, you avoid setting controversial topics, you stay in good form because of the person inviting you and the importance of the meal you have been invited to. Well, today we're going to look at how Jesus um, behaves and what we can learn from his experience being invited to a top senior Pharisee. So I'm going to read from um, Luke chapter 14. I'll, I'll read the first few verses to see what we can pull out of this today. It says, One Sabbath, when Jesus went into the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man suffering from ab- abnormal swelling of his body. 
Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him on his way. Then he asked them, if one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? And they had nothing to say. Well, right from the very first verse of Luke 14, we're told that Jesus went to a meal where he was being carefully watched. And carefully watched here means that, you know, they, they, his inviters were watching to see if, if he would do something wrong so that he can be trapped. At this point, Jesus had often had a very harsh word for the Pharisees. He was growing in popularity. He was despised and disliked by the, by the Pharisees. And so this was not just the average invite for a meal. This was one to see if they can catch him out and get him prosecuted for, for whatever reason. You know, um, uh, I don't know about you, but the question I had on reading this was, why would Jesus go to a party or a dinner, a dinner invite where he knows that um, he actually, they're looking to trap him? You know, I don't know about you, but have you ever been to a party where you felt you weren't really wanted at the party, where you felt that um, perhaps you're just there to fill up the numbers or there because the inviter wanted to show off their possessions or what they had, or a party where you weren't really invited to come in and be part of, uh, uh, of the party and to have fun. You know, I think that was what was happening in the case of Jesus here. And I, keep, I kept asking myself, why did he still honor this invite, knowing that there were looking to, to trap him? You know, and the answer really lies in the fact that Jesus reaches out to all. You know, he extends his ministry to those who hate him. You know, he, his grace, he provides to all, each and every one of us, from those who, those who love him to those who despise and hate him. You know, the pride of the Pharisees would have stopped, him from, stopped them from seeking grace and forgiveness from Jesus. But Jesus never withdraws from the sinner. You know, no matter how opposed they are, or we are to Jesus today, he always reaches out um, to us. What we see in Jesus is the willingness to show grace and to do good whenever and to whoever. You know, and, and for me, the questions I've been asking myself and um, asking myself and looking through this is um, what's, what's my experience? And perhaps the question applies to you. What's your experience of loving those, of reaching out to those, of engaging with those who are not nice to you? You know, what's your, how, you, how good are you at, um, at loving and engaging those who oppose you, who perhaps want to see your downfall? You know, Jesus could easily have been intimidated by the power and the prestige of those around him, you know, but he actually went on to engage. And my question is, how are we doing with those people, perhaps, who we find difficult? Do we do what Jesus did and still look to engage or do we back off and run away? Anyway, let's read on to find out what actually happens um, as we read on rather to, to see what happens in um, verses Two onwards, we told that a man was somehow in front of Jesus uh, with a painful condition called um, dropsy. I hope I pronounced that right, which is an abnormal swelling of the body due to retention of water, often linked to um, kidney disease or heart problems. You know, we don't know where this man turned up from, but we hear that um, uh, this man was in front of Jesus. He could have been a guest at, the, at this party. He could have been, you know, a family member of the top Pharisee. He could have been someone who just wandered in off the street because Jesus was there, or perhaps even someone that was used to set up to try 
to entrap um, Jesus. Luke does not tell us where this man comes from, but we know it happens to be in front of Jesus. And I find it interesting to see what Jesus decides to do. He decides to, um, to, to deal with what was in front of him. You know, he does ask a question. He says, is it okay to heal on the Sabbath or not? A simple yes, no question. You know, Jesus did not say, was it okay, was it lawful to walk on the Sabbath? He did not see that as work. Obviously, if he had used the phrase, is it okay to walk on the Sabbath or not? The Pharisees would have jumped on that. That was clearly breaking the rules. You know, he would have been in a lot of trouble. But the question Jesus did ask was, is it okay to heal this man on the Sabbath? Is it okay to love him, to bless him, to show kindness? You know, he was, he was saying, is it okay to show compassion to this man? When is it okay to heal? or not to heal? When is it okay to show compassion or not to show compassion? He uses the analogy of, um, of a child that has fallen into um, a well or, or, or an ox that has fallen into a well. Would you not reach out and pick, the, pick up the child or the ox and save their life? You know, and the Pharisees knew he was right and, and they, they refused to say anything to Jesus' question. As I mentioned, you know, when we're invited to a very important meal, we give our best behavior, we try not to offend, we try to give our best performance during, um, a, a, perhaps we stay away from controversial meal, um, topics, you know, but what we see here in Jesus that he is driven more by compassion than convention. And I'll say that again, you know, what we see in Jesus is that he is driven more by compassion than convention. You know, when he sees the man in front of him, he goes to heal him, knowing that this is putting him at risk of getting into trouble with the Pharisees. What we, what we immediately take from this um, bit of the story is that, number one, Jesus reaches out to all. Number two, he is driven by compassion. And the question is, how are you doing on the compassion front? How, are you still driven by compassion in the things you do? I often look back at my life and think when I pray for people to, to be healed, when I do good works or serve or do things, am I still being fueled by compassion or by duty? Compassion sees, someone says compassion sees the, the um, the what the sufferer sees, it feels what the sufferer feels, and it takes steps to make sure that the suffering is being relieved. That's what compassion does. And the question I have, for, uh, and I'm asking myself, is how is my compassion level these days? Having been, been a Christian for a number of years, what are my compassion levels um, today? You know, how, how am I looking out for those that are weak, those that are hurting, those that are downtrodden? What's our compassion? And I think that's the question we all need to wrestle with this week. Anyway, let's carry on with the story. We read from verses 7 onwards that um, when um, he, Jesus, noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor. For a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you Sorry, both of you will come and say to you, give this seat, give this person your seat. Then humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you're invited, take the lowest place so that when the host comes, he will say, my friend, 
move up to a better seat, then you'll be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all those who humble themselves will be exalted. We all tend to gravitate, you know, to VIP positions, or most of us do anyway, you know, be it sitting on the high table on the wedding, at the wedding, or, um, you know, a VIP box in a sporting event. I'm still looking for um, the VIP ticket to a, an Arsenal or a Forest game. Um, or perhaps a first-class seat on a plane or on a train. We all tend to gravitate towards a position of prestige, of comfort, of importance and recognition. And the same was going on in the time, I mean, during this meal. And Jesus noticed this and decided to, to deal with it. Maybe the guests were jostling for a place of honor. And Jesus told them um, a story to help and to advise them to choose wisely to avoid the, the humiliation that comes with relegation. You know, he tells them not to go for the top seat, but rather go for the lower seat. From the lower seat, there's only one way you can go, which is to climb upwards. He was telling them to save the embarrassment of going from top spot to um, a, a lower position. You know, I remember my first transatlantic flight, um, never having been on a flight with different classes of seats. I, um, I went onto the plane and went into the first class section and sat down. And I thought, oh, this is nice. I could get used to this. You know, I was loving the, the, the comfort around me. I was about to dig in to um, the goodies, you know, um, in and around me when the, the air hostess asked for my ticket. Anyway, I showed them my ticket and, you know, it was an economy class and they got me, they gave me the matching orders to cargo class. And um, it was so embarrassing going from first class to business class to premium economy all the way down to um, economy class. And um, it was super embarrassing. Now, while I think this is a good lesson that Jesus would have passed on uh, a good dinner etiquette and humbling yourself, you know, I think Jesus was probably also pointing to something bigger than that. You know, in verse 11, he says, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and all those who humble themselves will be exalted. You know, to exalt um, yourself towards God, I guess, is probably one of the things Jesus is pointing at here, which is how we can sometimes come to God at, and say, God, look at me, you know, haven't I, don't I deserve your love? You know, don't I deserve to be accepted by you? Look at what I have, how I've led my life, you know, no more sin in there, you know, I don't get drunk, I don't sleep around, no more lying, no more gossiping and, and all that horrible lifestyle. I've left that now. In fact, I'm doing so well. I spend time in daily, in daily in the Bible. You know, I give to the church. I give so much to charity. You know, I, I'm a nice person. I do good works. I've achieved well in my, in my job and in, in and around me. You know, I, I, I deserve, I deserve, I deserve you. But, um, but Jesus says, no, 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 no. Actually, we need to come before God. Humble. Acknowledging that nothing we can ever achieve <laughs> will be enough to deserve his love. He's asking us to come from a position of acknowledging our total dependence on God. And this is what I think. I think it's hard to show Jesus-like compassion for people when our heart is filled with pride. And I think that's one of the things Jesus wanted us to learn from this. 
And perhaps like me, if you're, if you're struggling with how much compassion you have for people in and around you and you want to see your levels of compassion increase to that of Jesus, I would say we need to come to God from a place of humility and help and ask him to help us to see what the, the, the sufferer is saying, to feel what, is, uh, what the sufferer is feeling and to do something about it. You know, we, we told um, about the Good Samaritan, you know, he jumped into action when he saw the man beaten up in front of him. And perhaps we need to have our eyes open again. And so coming to God from a place of humility, you know, perhaps is what Jesus is pointing us to. That if we're going to have Christ-like um, co um, compassion for those that are around us, then we need to come to God and come to God with a humble place. And Proverbs, Proverbs tells us that those that come to God, those that trust in the Lord, will be enriched. Perhaps we, you need a dose of Christ-like compassion today. And what we see in Jesus is, number one, he reaches out to all. Number two, he is driven by compassion. And number three, he points to um, humility. Finally, we read from um, verses 12 to 14 um, in Luke 14, where it says, um, Jesus then said to his host, having addressed all the party guests, he turns to the host and he says, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends your brothers or sisters or relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. I don't know about you, but I read this and I think, whoa, 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 did Jesus just say for my barbecue, I shouldn't invite my friends or my, my brothers, my sisters, my relatives, um, the in-laws maybe, but did he just say we shouldn't invite all these people to our, to our meals? Or should we only invite people who are not likely to inv invite us back? Is that what Jesus is saying um, to, 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 um, to the audience here and perhaps to us? And I would say, you know, that, um, that argument perhaps doesn't hold much water because Jesus would be contradicting himself if he was telling people not to have friends and relatives and family around for a meal. I think Jesus would have looked around the room and noticed you know, an element of, I scratch your back and you scratch my back. Perhaps he noticed the payback factor from those um, in the room, which is, um, Perhaps a situation that says, oh, you invited me for a meal and so I'm inviting you back or I'm inviting you now and therefore you owe me one. In other words, the instant reward that was going on there was what he observed and he was calling out to. And I believe what Jesus was wanting the audience at the time to learn and, and I believe for us is the balance between serving those who can serve us back and serving those who cannot serve us. You know, he's calling us to look at those who cannot repay us back in this lifetime. You know, people who, for material reasons, for physical reasons, are not able to bless us and to serve us back. And he's saying, do not lose sight of those folks. And as you serve them, you know, you will be rewarded by my Father in heaven, in the, <laughs> beyond um, this life as we know it. You know, he's saying to keep an eye on the eternal perspective and the eternal reward which his Father has for us. 
you know, caring for the poor, caring for those who are not in the position to serve us back. The Bible says there will always be the poor and the needy around us. And so um, Jesus was pointing them back to the fact that, you know, we need to keep an eye out for those who are poor, who are not in a financial position to repay us, who are crippled, who are lame, who are blind, those not in a physical or medical position to be able to repay us and to care for those. And in doing so, God is going to bless us. God is going to reward us in this life and in the, at the resurrection. And so the question I have for you guys and for myself this, this day is that when we look at our, so, our, our social network, our circle of friends, you know, um, how are we doing with including those who cannot repay us? How are we doing with blessing those who cannot bless us back? You know, how many people have we had for a meal around, you know, who we know are not in the position to be able to repay us? Perhaps the next time we all host um, or attend a dinner party, we'll all be challenged to do it a little differently and to remember what Jesus says, which is to include those who have nothing to give back to us. And so I'm going to finish off with a few questions, which is, as we look through this story, what we see from Jesus is that he reaches out to all. How are we with reaching out to those who despise of, who, of us, who, who are not kind to us? You know, Jesus was driven by compassion. You know, are we still full of compassion like Jesus? Are we still, are we serving and blessing and, and doing good works out of compassion or out of duty? And if not, you know, Jesus says to have a humble heart. And you know, if you are not, you need to come before God and just ask him to renew our hearts and give us compassion like Jesus did. And Jesus says to focus, focus on those um, that cannot save you back and look at the eternal reward which his father has for us. And the question I finish off with, how, what are you going to do with that? God bless you as you think about these words. What a powerful message. Thank you so much for that, Ben. We just thought it'd be great just to pray for a second before we leave. So let's not rush off. Let's just spend this moment with God and just pray into what Ben's spoken to us about. Hmm. Um, so I'm just going to pray for us. You can close your eyes or do whatever helps you to connect to Jesus in this moment. But yeah, God, I want to thank you for that message that, yeah, that we get to um, give from a generous place that, hmm. that you've poured into our hearts. That when we gave our lives to you, Father, you came and met with us and gave us grace, hmm. Father. And, so I just pray that you'd help us to have a perspective of complete generosity, that mm. you'd soften our hearts, Father, that as we're walking by wherever we are, that we would just hear your voice, mm. God, that we'd be in tune to what you're saying to us, God, that um, you'd help us just have a giving and generous spirit where we just love people the way that you've loved us. Yes. God, thank you that we love because you first loved us, yes. that when we know the love of our Father, we can show that to others. So I just pray that... Yeah, you just anoint your church in this moment, God, to, yeah. to go and give your love to others, Father. Yeah. That's the kind of people we want to be, Father. Yeah. So we just pray for that. Yeah. yeah, Father, we do pray, God, fill us with your compassion. Mm. God, may it be the case that we shine like lights. Yeah. And Father, above every other voice that competes for our mind and our attention, mm. God, may we live for your well yes, done. Father. We do pray in Jesus' name. Yeah. Amen. Well, listen, thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, on behalf of Laura and I, it's really been a pleasure to uh, have you join us. And if you do want to catch up with someone personally, then make sure you do check out our coffee and catch up Zoom room, which are, are going to be opening imminently. All right. So thanks so much for being with us. God bless. Bye. Bye bye now. <laughs> Slight paranoia trip about, you know, how <laughs>
How's this? Is this going to end up in the outtakes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you and Jess could get, get away with this. I'm not sure you and I can. Yeah, go on. Just do a little few moves, you know? I just... I, I just <laughs> help me, someone. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's the lock, you know? But you can be like a... Huh? Whoa! I'm 39 years hey. of age, Lauren. <laughs> How much 30, longer can you well, say that I've for? I've got... Uh, what's the date today? Uh, six. Fifth or sixth? Seventh. Eight, 21 four. days, something like that. Ooh, on the 27th whoa. of August. In fact, you can put that in the outtakes in case anyone wants to send me a card. <laughs> and straight down the barrel of that camel. Okay? So wear that. Laser Lauren. It was my superhero persona when I worked at a nursery and I've just kept it up. I've got a whole costume actually at home, personalised it. Laser Lauren. <laughs> I had lasers, didn't I? Laser beams coming up my eyes. Out of your eyes? Mm, what really did they good. do? What did they do? They just saved people. You know, <laughs> <laughs> This is what Wendy and... Um, um, high School Musical. Uh, yes, seen it. And it's a good job I'm not really pale and therefore gone red. It's just the heat in the room. <laughs>